Hello and welcome back to the Sendcast. We are joined by Paul Wilson, Technology Director at Kia, and Harry Atkinson, Chief Data Officer at Sensat. Data published by the Department for Business, Innovation and Skills found that 60% of infrastructure projects are delivered late. We're going to discuss the role that technology and innovation plays in increasing productivity in the industry to cut the time and cost of delivery. Uh, well, welcome to the Sendcast, Paul. Um, why don't we start with a bit of an introduction about yourself, uh, where you come from and what you do at Kia? Yeah, so I look after uh, technology at Kia Highways, and that's kind of changed quite a bit in the last few years since I joined three and a half years ago. Uh, so fundamentally, we run a professional service and engineer, engineering services business uh, for Kia, which really, what that really means is uh, professional services would be sort of your consultants, consultancy and design that you would conventionally see in, in our sector and then sort of into construction and then and then we operate and maintain and with the public sector with their sort of very very sort of standards and specification driven ways of working we're just designing constructing operating and maintaining uh, in a in a really really conventional way to those standards and specifications but with the sort of change as we can see in transportation, particularly with the rise of uh, EV and the rise of uh, sort of CAV, the requirement for infrastructure and roadside infrastructure for that has, has kind of gone up, up a pace. And then in the last 18 months to two years, a major client, uh, which is Highways England, have really been open, open for business with regard to innovation, research and sort of technology. So that's allowed us to sort of engage with uh, tech startups, uh, blue chip software companies, you know, but not just in tech, in materials and and, and uh, ways of working, plant. Uh, so we've we've been looking much more into machine learning, AI, data. So it's really uh, the game's really changed for us, and it means that, that uh, the kind of people who work for us, with us, and our supply chain and our partners have had to uh, have really had to sort of respond to that challenge. Cool. And winding back a little bit, how did Paul Wilson get into the sort of role as technology director or highways technology director at Kia. Just really, in, in a sense, almost being an entrepreneur, thinking, just being brave enough to think, oh, I'll, have, I'll have a go at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background was in construction as a sort of electrical, was an electrician and then into electrical engineering when I realised that those cold mornings and, you know, working on tower cranes really, you know, were becoming uh, a bit too difficult. And, and uh, sadly, Harry, uh, I'm old enough to have to have been through a number of recessions, and, yeah. and and construction was going through a really really tough time. So I ended up in highways, in in, in street lighting uh, for a number of years, and just progressed through that. And then you found us found that there was more and more in, in the sort of technology space, and just probably just in a fairly unconventional way, just seeing opportunities, finding being curious. Uh, being able to work with people, realizing there was a need, and then finding like-minded individuals that we could uh, we could just do projects that interested us and we had fun with. So really, not so different from Sensat in many ways. Finding stuff that interested us, we had fun with, we could do, and then uh, and then pushing on. And do you think you're sort of a rare character within the industry in that you want to put yourself? You often do put your neck out and uh, trust technology in different ways, or do you think this is becoming more of a as a sort of standard approach to technology in the industry. No, I think there's. A, I, th- I still think there's a real disconnect. I, I, th- I think that people 
for, for many, many reasons, are, are fearful of technology. Uh, bizarrely, many of the people I speak to are most fearful of technology when I can't get them to engage. You know, say, oh, I just don't get technology. I might be having a meeting with them. And then, you know, you sort of break away from that and, you know, just having a social chat with them. And I say, what are you doing now? Well, I'm just, you know, checking my uh, train on trainline.com. Then uh, I've had a couple of bets on Bet365 and uh, I'm going to order something on Just Eat. I was like, okay. But you don't really like technology, you don't really like it. No, not really, no. no. And then they go on to Facebook and LinkedIn. So it, it's weird that people sort of in, in sort of their professional life might feel as though technology is something to be feared, but in, in their everyday life, they're, they're, they're completely reliant on it. So it's a, it's a weird scenario where people disconnect between how they work and what they deliver and how they live their, their everyday lives. So that fear, do you think people think see it as sort of a threat to their, their careers or just scared of sort of engaging in it? Generally speaking, there are conventional ways of procuring services that we've been doing the same thing the same way for a really long time. Uh, we're not really seeing an accelerated rate of progress in construction and civil engineering the way we are in other sectors. Mm -hmm. But it's an inescapable fact that, that how we travel and how we work and how we commute and how we live our lives is, is, is changing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the conventional way of working and the pressures on the construction sector as we can see and as we may touch on later in the podcast are such that pe people are fearful of taking risks because there's already a whole bunch of risk uh, in, 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 in an industry that's not carrying particularly high operating margins in the construction sector. Yeah, I mean, that kind of leads us nicely on to sort of the next next point in that si over 60% of infrastructure projects these days are delivered over budget mm. and um, not delivered on time. Mm. What, what do you think are the contributing factors for this and where do you think sort of technology can play a role in uh, aiding this? I know it's a big question, but maybe we can split that down a bit. It's a fairly provocative answer and I'm not representing Keir's view here, although I think most construction companies would go to the public domain and say that uh, operating margins in construction are so tight. Uh, we have to, a lot of us are listed, listed on, a, on a stock exchange. Uh, you know, it's everyone will have seen what happened with Carillion. You know, I, I saw I saw that with the full force of that because we were delivering in joint venture two smart motorways projects, yeah. and we had another two that were just about to go to ground when when Carillion, um, uh well was liquidated. I, I can't think of a, a of a way of, of, of saying that other than the unvarnished truth. And we've seen the pressures on on other companies, and they can't all be bad companies. And, and it's only five years ago that Balfour Beatty were in that position, and that now they've sort of um, turned around and they're really sort of progressing. Skanska have had those pressures. Amy have had those pressures. Uh, Interserve have had real problems, and they're not all bad companies, Harry. You know, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of talent and a lot of skill in in, in these organisations. But if you're going to build big, complex projects and that you're working to such tight operating margins, people are going to fear um, doing something different. And that, just because it's doing anything other than the convention mm -hmm. is, is, is gonna be really, really difficult. But of course, there's another way of looking at that and saying, well, we know that why do we use technology generally? You know, if I go back to that analogy of where I've spoken to clients or, 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 or my, my own colleagues, about how they would quite happily use apps to run their entire life, you know, yeah. uh, or be that Netflix or, 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 or be that Uber or be that Amazon. Uh, we have come to expect a level of service mm. that's aligned to sort of an Uber 
way of conceiving the world. Yeah, uh, yeah a certainty about that. Or with Amazon, absolutely. That, that, that I think that people will just, those, those belief systems will just become more and more embedded. As, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. But, but the real reason we use them is because we have certainty. We know when our parcels come in. We know when our cabs come in. We know when our pizzas come in. You know, we know we can watch on-demand TV on-demand. Then if we can bring that certainty and that ease of use to how we deliver what we deliver for uh, the public sector and therefore the public, mm -hmm. to how they work, how they travel, how they live, then, then it's an inevitable consequence. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned the several companies that care themselves that haven't had a a brilliant time in the yeah. last uh, two quarters or even year. Yes. Um, how how has things maybe has, have things changed internally at Kia, and how have you managed to balance the need to introduce technology into Kia mm. and keep pushing the envelope whilst also ma like managing mm. the business at the end of the day? We're a really really diverse business, so there'll always be parts of the business that are doing well mm -hmm. and parts that are doing not so well. And some of those examples that I gave you would, would, would face those same mm. sort of challenges and pressures. I can only give you my own experience. It's, it's what is really important and what is really, really helpful mm. is, a, is a supportive public sector client. Mm. If you're delivering services to the public sector, is, an, is a public sector client with enterprise thinking. Now, a lot of people don't believe me when I'm in the market saying that some of our clients really do have that enterprise thinking, but they do. Yeah, you got any examples? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely say that uh, BAA, who I'm not that exposed to, are very progressive, have big challenging targets. Uh, and I would say that Highways England, I worked in the, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was a, uh, a, a technologist in the sense that the guys at Sensor are in any way, shape or form. You know, I'm, an, I'm a services guy, I'm, you know, I believe in, you know, that I design and build and maintain and operate. And I am a bit of an entrepreneur, but 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 I kind of am a bit of a geek for tech, but I but I rely but I have to rely on trust um that that those people know what they're doing. And when I've run software businesses, I've kind of find that quite quite difficult. Mm. But but our clients um are doing things like opening up funds which exposed me to Sensat that made us curious about you know about how um uh, different ways of thinking and 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 being a, enabling tech startups or bringing in anyone from IBM through to uh, through to Sensat you know and everything in between but also as, a, as I've said you, you know some of the some of the engineering thinking and some of the progressive ideas from companies like JCB or from Bosch or from aggregated industries or from tarmac or you know or, or, or companies around the world uh, caterpillar or another great example mean that you're able to have those conversations because there's a commercial benefit to you doing it you know if you're going to be if if you believe if you have a belief system that, that innovation r d technology are going to add a benefit and you'd really really want to do it but you're working to those tight operating margins and you've got to deliver then you're probably not going to have those conversations because you're constantly under pressure to deliver safety to you know to deliver and deliver projects in a conventional way but by opening up innovation funds by by the by government actually being uh much more responsive people never give the government credit um and you know it'd be possibly quite unusual to hear a person from the enterprise sector from the construction sector to say that um 
uh, the, the government have been you know quite progressive but 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 you know biz and and innovate uh, UK. And, and innovate uk and the treasury mm. have have really sort of incentivized and put and put money on the table to say come and tell us your good ideas and if you've got something that we believe that um even if even if it fails you know the kind of attrition we can still take learning from it has been a step change that i've seen in two years that I have not seen in the previous 20. And I think, yeah, well, it's a good point, actually. I think that's kind of the scary point in that the construction has seen no productivity growth since mm. the 1970s or even earlier, mm. whereas even industries like agriculture and manufacturing yeah. have seen massive productivity yeah. growth. Like, where do you think technology plays a part in that um, aspect of, of the project life cycle? Because that will play inevitably into the overspend and over over time and over budget of, of these projects. I mean, there's other factors in that people, obviously the systematic yeah. issues in this, uh, but where do you think technology has a, a part to play in the productivity uh, issue? In lots of areas, I would say that um, certainty is one, you know, a single source of, source of truth. If we can, uh, if sensors and and connectivity and data platforms can tell us uh, how uh, operational assets are performing, we can make better decisions. If renewable uh, technology, you know, renew renewable energy sources like wind and solar can replace conventional ways of putting in power. If uh, 4G, 5G, Wi-Fi, cellular technologies can replace fiber infrastructure where you know where it's suitable and we can break away from those standards and specifications then first of all they're going to cost less from a capital perspective secondly it's safer because we've got less people out there less often doing less work keeping the rail network open keeping motorway lanes open exactly the things that made us do one of our pilot projects together um, reducing carbon emissions reducing operating costs making more efficient and effective and smart decisions about what to replace and when are all based upon sensors, carrier networks, data, as opposed to humans, mm. introducing human factors, making subjective human decisions. Yeah, and kind of on the, on the idea of productivity, I think, what was, it, what was the number? Um, the Charters Institute of Building um, found that there's going to need to be 157,000 new recruits by 2021 into this industry. Mm. Now, you're sort of most of your way through your career now. You've spent your career in, in construction. <laughs> well, hopefully you get to retire <laughs> yeah. soon. Um, this chair's got wheels on it. You will be able to lift when we get done. Um, uh, but I, you, the construction industry doesn't appear to be very attractive to someone maybe leaving the university or who's sitting there doing software engineering university, how, how do you think uh, it can become more attractive to the younger generation? I think, I, I think it's a bit of a myth that, it, that it's not attractive. I think that um, the people who are coming through the door to come and work with us look really, really different now. Obviously, because of you touched on it earlier, with me coming from an unconventional background, not coming through a, a coming from a degree, you know, coming from a, a working class construction background from a, an immigrant family, mm -hmm. where my entrepreneurship and my sort of work ethic uh, moved me on, means that I, I have a belief system in that. So, some of my, my head of engineering is a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, my best engineers uh, from Romania, from the Caribbean, from West Africa. Uh, some of my best site people 
our female. I mean, you, five, ten years ago, you know, it would have been British. It would have been thirty-five to fifty-two. It would have been male, and it it now just isn't. And you know, there's some great engineers coming from around the world who want to who want to come and work in this country. Now we can touch on other things that maybe in the in the press, you, you know, uh, where where the UK are right now, but. Um, but industry is is a little more elegant. It's a little more open, you know. Uh, the whole equality, diversity, and inclusion agenda by talking about it so much, and may people people may get a little bit sort of jaded by it. Mm-hmm. But what's pulling through is that because the LGBT community can be engaged with, because we have, because we open for diversity, because our borders are open to bring people in, mm-hmm. and because the world's a smaller place, and we can share data, and we can work in a work in a way, and we can work with companies from overseas. Um, then I think that's that that's a way around it. Actually, I think that's a well, not a way around it, but it's a way partially through it. So going back to this sort of sixty percent number on mm. the overspend, do you think there are any like systematic issues with how the construction industries run right now, regardless of technology? Yeah. Um, and and what do you think those are? Yeah, I think that I, I think that in the UK, I think that um, margins are too tight. I think that I, I think that there's still a fascination with the cheapest price wins. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a very often, and it's not a universal truth, that there's a disaggregated way of looking at the project, mm-hmm. but a sort of but 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 procuring, conceiving, planning, designing, constructing a project with a one, with a one ten ethos, mm-hmm. with with beginning with the end in mind as a collective. You know, and I, as I've said to you on many occasions, you can see that in, in sectors about where that generally has worked. And I know that, you know, there's false positives and unconscious bias and stuff like that, but um, business models drive business behavior. Mm-hmm. And if you've got low margin business and it's high risk, then uh, companies are gonna be resistant to uh, uh, thinking differently or thinking collaboratively. Mm-hmm. If collaboration and innovation is incentivized, then people will collaborate because people will only do something with some consequential benefit. That's an individual or, or an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would guess the final thing I would say about that is that, you know, profit is not a sin, mm-hmm. you know. So, and if in a competitive tendering environment, you would want to be transparent if you can see holes in where uh, change will bring additional financial benefit in the project. Mm -hmm. But that would rely on a level playing field where everybody would be transparent and fair about how they, you you know, about bringing that to the fore. So there are very often holes in procurement about what they've set out, what they've set out to to buy, Mm -hmm. for for want of a better phrase. Um, And it's very often been poorly thought through. The easy thing to do is, is to, is to criticize the contractor mm-hmm. you know but surely when you analyze a problem or you analyze failure people would generally want to like to think that they would fail together yeah but if you hadn't set out with a common purpose at the start then you know you don't know what your measures of success or failure are co- yeah. collectively and i think that's really really important by beginning at, by beginning with a common understanding and a common purpose of what needs to be done and what needs to be done by when, and what needs to be done for how much, with that shared certainty, I think that you would see a reduction in waste 
Yeah, I mean, that's a key point too, because actually the construction industry contributes up to 60% of the UK's waste. Mm. Um, that A lot of that's down to rework and mm. just waste materials on mm. site. Where, where do you think technology plays a part in, in that in that aspect? Because you see it on sites all the time. You've got lots of waste materials, mm. uh, concrete being poured on the ground, just general stuff being dug up from the ground. Where do you think, have you seen examples where technology can uh, play a part in that? Well, I've seen a lot of technology projects, like digital transformation projects, go go really badly wrong because we've because we've let technologists design the technology solution. Yeah. Um, now, lots of technologists make some pretty bad decisions when it becomes subjective. Yeah. I'm guessing that you know when Jeff Bezos did his divorce settlement, or when Mark Zuckerberg was in front of Congress, that that some of the human factors that that were introduced uh, made them think that. Even technologists make poor decisions when it comes to human factors. Yeah. So I would say that really it's about designing the process. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to really think about the process of the optimal way of getting concrete to site, the optimal way of packaging. Now, we, we spoke about Amazon earlier. <laughs> you know, we, we all see that the, the enormous packaging we get when we buy, you know, a really small package. So clearly yeah. there's, even with the holy grail of Amazon, you know, there's, there, there's waste. So I would say really simply is that do the technology last. Mm. You know, the, the benefit I get from, from working with Sensat is that from a surveyor perspective, and I know we did a whole bunch more of it, but, but my, initial, my, my initial consideration is, is by using the map solution with the UAVs is that I don't have to put cones on the road. Mm. I don't have to send people out, so I'm, it's safer and those that that those lane miles mean reduced carbon emissions, and it means that I haven't closed, so I haven't got unhappy road users. Mm -hmm. But also the the certainty of rework and and, and being able to look at the the, the information before. So really, that's all about looking at a different way of doing it. So I didn't think about the technology. I thought about the problem that that would fix: certainty, doing it once, not closing a road. Yeah. keeping people safe. So I think that it really takes people to think about the problem that they've got and how they might solve it and then looking at the technology solution. And very often there will be a technological solution. But yeah. doing the technology first, sometimes that's a that's a solution looking for a problem. And I can tell you, with the Innovation Fund and the amount of work we did with Highways England, I got a whole bunch of people telling me they had solutions when they hadn't even asked me what my problem was. Yeah, we had the same thing here, really. People trying to uh, like automate processes which haven't been done manually yet. Yeah. I always tell them to do, do it manually first, then automate afterwards, because actually you don't know what the, the process is going to be. And you sort of automate small bits of it, small bits of it, until the entire thing is automated. Yeah. It's the same approach, really, for, for the construction industry, I imagine. Yeah, I'll get a whole... We're probably only 10 years into that journey. Yeah, well, I get a whole bunch of tyre kickers because yeah. the, the technologists that come in to talk to me, you know, these dream weavers and, you know, cloud evangelists or whatever, they, you know, whatever the sort of buzz <laughs> rate title that they, they might be is, is, is because they're, they're mo again, business models, they drive business behaviours. They're, they're just trying to sell a box, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and the reality of the situation is I want somebody to work with me and understand what I'm trying to do for the people I'm trying to do it for. Mm. And that's not just Highways England or Transport for London or Network Rail. That's that that's their customers. That's people trying to get you know trying to not be in congestion so they can get to Gatwick Airport to go on holiday. Yeah. You know that's people want to be you know wanting to uh, not be caught up in um, 
rail disruption or bus replacement services at a weekend, you know, and that's people being able to to, to move into their new properties at the, you know and the time they was expecting to move into their new homes. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to change tack a little bit here, and we're going to talk about well, it's written down the role of innovation, yeah. but uh, the role of technology. Um, so, so what? Why do? You, why is this topic of, sort of technology and innovation so important in this industry right now? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about productivity and delivering things on time and on budget. But is there a role for it? Well, there must be a role for it to future-proof the industry in some way and future-proof some of the companies within the industry. Um, so, what is the? Why is it so important right now? And why are we talking about it? Because it, it's just the level of expectation we, we touched on it earlier is that. Uh, a lot of people in our sector are, um, I think the average age in my sector is, is, is early 40s. Mm -hmm. you know, we're building infrastructure, we're operating and maintaining infrastructure for future generations who have a different level of expectation. Yeah. yeah. So from that perspective, you, you know, it's really, really important that the, the, the people just think differently. And I believe, I believe that it is changing and will change you know, quite a, quite a bit more quickly in, in the coming sort of years. But it's going to change because people's level of expectation change. We touched on Uber, we touched on Amazon, but diesel engines are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, connected autonomous vehicles are coming. Um, Hyperloop is coming. So whether we like it or not, um, the world of technology and innovation is changing our world, and therefore the role of infrastructure service providers to to, to enable that has to change also. So, how are you promoting innovation within Kia and with, within the industry? So, you personally, by being constantly enthusiastic about it, and that's tough because what you're talking about about that resistance and about how the old guard and you know how tough it is and how tough the sector is giving people the opportunity to try different stuff is is really really interesting and it look and because it's such a broad agenda technology it, it, it's because it means lots of things to lots of people whereas people compare my organization to costains even with my own organization well that's like comparing telefonica with apple you know it's a they, they're both technologies well we're both construction companies well, I see myself much more as, a, as an engineering services business, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, Costain have a, have a different approach. Whereas if I compare building roads to building railways to building houses to a civil engineer or a construction person, they would say that it's all very different. Of course mm -hmm. it is. Because it's so diverse, uh, people see working on smart motorways or working on an AI project or a machine learning project or writing a business case or uh, lots of people in our organisations are engineers. And I genuinely believe that some of our clients are asking us to go away and think, and that's exciting for engineers. The ability to think and solve challenges will bring people into the tent. What, what are some of the, sort of maybe some recent examples of where technology has come through uh, and made a difference to a project? Do you have any? Yeah, absolutely. I, was, as I said to you, is that um, the projects that Sensat have delivered because there's a stickiness with, with with you guys because we can genuinely see that you save time, mm -hmm. you save cost, you 
help us with our branding and not just ourselves you know you you, you help us promote a brand so, so organizations using another great company like mace you know they like to be seen working with you guys so so they promote our brands as being digital so it's good it's good for the brand if we're not seen as being being so conventional but i would say that projects with a with a, a company called sunstone a company you know yeah uh small startup company two very progressive guys mm-hmm. uh to put a cctv camera up in the conventional way on the motor, on the side of the motorway it takes two years and it costs about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds wow. that's too long and yeah. too much well it's outdated by the time it's up right yeah absolutely and you've got two years of of a customer not knowing how it's mm-hmm. how, how their junction is performing because they can't see it and if you can't see it you can't take effective action and it's a big construction site and you've got Birmingham International Airport there and you've got the NEC there. So we managed to get their agile tech. We found we found part of their tech in a more progressed sector in oil and gas yeah. and, and defence and their CCTV camera, high def, easily deployable, works off batteries and solar, ran off Wi-Fi, can run off satcoms. Yeah. took us six weeks to put it in and cost 60k high definition high res images into the customer in six weeks for a six, for a, a quarter of the cost of what it would have conventionally cost client was delighted the stakeholders at Birmingham International Airport uh, Birmingham International Rail Depot mm-hmm. the NEC really really happy the network operators at Highways England were really really happy uh, won an award won, won project of the year at, a, at, at uh, the Fire and Security Awards my team were happy, Sunstone were happy, mm-hmm. client who sponsored it was happy, um, and everybody was excited. Yeah. You know? And of oh. course it's technology, and it's technology first at that company too, because actually with those old cameras, which are mm. 250 grand, mm. they're connected by, well, not even fiber optic, by probably yeah. ethernet cables at best, um, probably deliver images every minute or whatever it is, and, um, and Companies like Sensat can't even in, can't integrate with systems like with Sense, uh, yeah. Sunstone systems yeah. are technology first and are unable to connect with us yeah. other systems. Too long, too dear. The mm. camera that went on that junction was was just about to get on a boat to go to Kazakhstan to look yeah. after an oil pipeline. You know the problems were the same. You know the the, the customer had a critical asset mm. that was at risk. Mm-hmm whether that be attack on that pipe or the fact that junction, that junction which is really critical, locks mm. up, plus HS2 is going through there, mm. plus, you know, games construction for Birmingham at the, the Commonwealth Games. And all of a sudden that issue was addressed because what can we do faster and cheaper that's going to give a better result? Mm. And and that's, again, think about the problem first. So do you think they are the only two factors a technology company can sell against? Or do you think there's others? So you said... Like faster and cheaper. Mm. Are there other factors like safety or uh, yeah, well, efficiency? Absolutely safety, because again, you know the conventional ways of of people turning up to site. Um, we have we have multiple um, activities twenty four seven three six five on on in all of our working environments. Um, lots of direct labour force, lots of supply chain, and. Um, so things like wearable technology, facial recognition software, um, real-time real-time checking of people's competency on site, mm-hmm. um, absolutely give you certainty that the people who are turning up to work for you every night, which is an almost uncontrollable uh, in terms of the amount of 
individuals across the, the, the territory you're on about. So in a sense, being able to digitally ascertain and verify who someone is, when they turned up, when they left. Yeah. Where, where they, they are on site. Where, yeah, where they qualified to do what they were to do. Yeah. Uh, what happens if there's an unsafe event? Uh, what happens if there's a presence of gas? What happens if there's an attack by the public? Mm-hmm. You know, all the things that can happen in any sector, you know, all these things happen in real time with absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the conventional ways of working mean that you don't have that certainty. So, and sometimes the em- employees or the workers' uh, willingness to adopt that technology too. So, if an example being is the sort of the wearable technology. Great, not only for safety, but for health. Because mm-hmm. it's something about 60% of deaths on on construction sites aren't caused by construction accidents, they're by people having heart attacks, falling over and dying, We've got an aging workforce. Um, but there is massive pushback to this technology. So how do you think you engage that workforce to try and try and use that? I don't know whether there are any examples in the UK of that. Yeah, I, I think the massive I think the massive pushback's diminishing because I think that the next tranche of workforce are more used to being in a connected connected world. You know, if you if you were to say to someone, I'm going to put fatigue, you know, put fatigue wristband on you, mm-hmm. um, five ten years ago, they go, oh, it's big brother, yeah. you know. And so if we to say, if I was to say to someone, oh, I'm going to put a tracker in your vehicle, mm-hmm. um, they go, oh, it's big brother, you know, yeah. okay, but you know, they we give them all smartphones, and what we need to do is put Life three sixty yeah. on it, you know, you know, it, it with and and you you get the same net result. Yeah. So uh, people are more used to uh, being connected to the world, mm-hmm. um, and that means there's a trade-off because that they, the ability to be more connected uh, means you interact more. But that means that they have to give up some what they might have to, deemed to be personal freedoms. Mm. But that but but that's a generation that I think even you know the the thirty somethings and forty somethings now are, are, would accept that. Yeah, and I mean, you can always put that back onto the customer as well, if you think about sort of highways and rail. I mean, I know for the example for the A46 project, we tried to implement some technology um, with sort of journey time monitoring, which utilised Wi-Fi and Bluetooth uh, signals, but actually part of the HE IT policy didn't allow for that. How do you think the, I guess, the asset owners keep up with this technology? And... Uh, and and adapt themselves to be able to accept new technologies better. Uh, it's it's hard for public sector organisations to attract talent yeah. because it's hot because I think that they're just places that young people like you sound so much, young <laughs> people just have a different approach to work. Yeah. Now you know I don't think that the people who come and work at Sensat think imagine that they're going to work in an organisation for. 10 or 15 or 20 years. You know, when, when people work to, maybe maybe even as short as 10 or 15 or 20 months, you know, that's, that's just, the gig economy is, 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 a, is a true thing and an expectation, you know, yeah. you know, I've got, a, I've, I've got two teenagers and I don't think they ever think that they're gonna work somewhere 20, 20 or 25 years. Um, but conventionally in, in the public sector, that, that, that's quite conventional and of course, it, they tend to think in a conventional way. Mm. So are they thinking about cybersecurity? Are they thinking about, uh, but but yeah, of course they are. And they're trying to do really, really good jobs. But maybe that's part of the problem in that sort of the young people who maybe are going to be the ones who push this change, 
work on different timescales, right? So a change at HE is going to take five years, whereas a young person, the technology is coming into HE will have a two-year time frame, and by the time they get to two years and yeah. nothing's changed, they kind of go, okay, well, I'm out. I'm less cited on on other sectors, but with I know in the last eighteen months to two years, you know the the the, the new C suite of technologists yeah. at Highways England, um, uh, of with the CIO, the incoming CTO, and the chief data officer, all of whom have come from Network Rail, uh, or uh, National Grid or HP. So they're not really highways professionals who have ended up doing technology. They they come from a different perspective, and I think they'll have a different relationship with with technology and technology suppliers. And they will, I believe they'll move away from bespoke single source suppliers, mm -hmm. vendor lock-in and, and move to a much more open standards, yeah. uh, enterprise way of thinking. Which is good for customers like us. Um, so you, you've got kind of got the ears of many of the leaders in the, in the, in the industry and you're also listening. Um, a lot. So what, what do you see are the sort of breakthrough technologies that are going to make a big impact in the next couple of years? Not just companies, yeah. but like types of technologies. So I, I would be a little more modest about that and say that perhaps my, my focus, because I've still got business to run, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm not constantly in the sandpit. I've still, you know, got guys and girls going out and fixing broken stuff every night or installing new stuff every day and every night. I've still got people in the office designing conventional infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I've got people working in safety critical environments every day. So, so I've got quite a narrow focus. What I would say is that uh, I believe that more open data, more data, more, more common data platforms, uh, and more around AI and machine learning are going to affect change. Mm -hmm. So I would say that my genuine hope is that if I think, if I step away from what I do mm -hmm. and think about what it does, mm -hmm which is how I th should think, right? Is that I'm there to provide information when I'm building stuff on, on motorways or for local authority for the traveling public. Mm -hmm. So as they can be safe or they, or they can be informed. But if I'm really honest, you know, if I'm gonna plan my journey, bearing in mind I do that for a living, I'm probably gonna check ways. You know, yeah. I'm probably gonna use Google Maps. You know, if an Uber driver's using it, it's probably, you, you know, or a get driver, it's probably the way to go. Yeah. So, but how they collect data and disseminate data really has to be the way forward. So, so I'm thinking that the way my business currently stands, where, I, where we spend a lot of time designing and constructing hard physical infrastructure for connectivity, power and comms, mm -hmm. and the stuff that hangs off the end of that power and comms is going to be less important than uh, collecting data and turning that data into information and then making intelligent decisions on informing traveling public or or, or, or any number of um, operational engineering decisions. Yeah, that kind of rolls into the next section actually about looking to the future. Uh, you mentioned uh, previously about actually the needs of the customer and the consumer are going to change. For example, you gave the examples of Uber and Amazon sort of models where customers want things now and they don't have to pay for things all the time. Um, is is the sort of infrastructure industry looking at this 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 future seriously, where drivers of vehicles are going to be a reality in five, ten years? Um, and I, I do you think we're looking at it the wrong way? Like, do you think the future holds different requirements for infrastructure? For example, could drivers of vehicles increase capacity on 
uh, highways without actually making it additional lanes? Mm-hmm. Or do you think we'll actually get to the point where driver's vehicles are driving six inches away from each other's bumpers and we're actually going, okay, we can remove lanes or mm-hmm. remove technology, whatever it is? I know that, yeah. uh, for example, on smart motorways, mm-hmm. the gantries on them are only designed to last for 25 years because they think they're going to be ripping them down in 25 years because there'll be driverless cars. What, what do you need a speed limit for? Yeah, that'd be a really dangerous way of thinking because you know what you set out to do might end up being something completely different, right? So you could see mobility as a service might mean that people, we might see vast tranches of land with, you, you, you know, cars that you jump in and drive and drive and go. It, it's it, it's not the car ownership model. Is is that if you think that way? I don't believe that the automotive sector are thinking that the, that the car ownership model is a sustainable, viable way forward, or even that is the way forward. So, I think there's a conversation before you start thinking about what I think. If it, you know, if I was to think about as a strategist, mm-hmm. um, thinking about what the future might look like, and I know Highways England are doing this with 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 uh, connecting the country, and. Because what I do when I'm building a business strategy, Harry, is I'm looking at what our customers are telling us and they're talking about planning for the longer term, what they'll be spending money on, and that's electrification, connectivity. So they're not talking about cars necessarily. There's a good business for me and, yeah. and what I do in the future in terms of building V2X infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So building that, that, tech, that infrastructure that, that connects the car to the roadside and then allows that relate that data transfer to happen. Saying that cars are going to drop drive six inches away from each other. The technology that people have been talking about that for years. Mm-hmm. But whether we're talking about automated vehicles or cars driving six inches away from each other, really is not based on the technology. That's going to be based upon policy, insurance, mm-hmm. um, you know, the moral machine. You know, the big problem for automation is 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 you know, when a robot kills someone, who who picks up the bill? Mm-hmm. You know, and I hate to be brutal about that, but but that's that's what people at MIT think about, who are a whole bunch cleverer than me, mm-hmm. motivated to think up these things because we can put out a five G network tomorrow and have an autom- we can have level five automation in cars. Mm-hmm. So, so thinking about it, so defining what the future looks like, I, I, I think that's a really really dangerous thing to do. So I advise my clients to build an infrastructure that's agile and flexible that is low cost, you know, use renewable technology, use Wi-Fi, use cellular. So if you want to have connected vehicles, you can. And if you just want to have wireless CCTV, you can. But what's, but again, what's really important is perhaps not just thinking about technology, it's thinking about low, you know, new, new road surfaces, new, you know, a different way of perhaps putting, uh, ecology at the roadside that hasn't got big tree trunks because you know people crashing into the trees is a pretty significant way that people die on the roads um so again it's going to be about problem first but if we think we've got if we think that we're going to work to an end of a specific technology or a specific outcome i think that'd be a really foolhardy thing to do mm. yeah, last question here um what are you most excited about for the future? Not maybe not just in highways, in in sort of the technology sectors, in your technology sector as a whole. Genuinely, people talking about you know, if we go back to that that stupid story I told you earlier on about the guy who said ah, technology, you know, 
load of old bollocks. And then First he, bleed. <laughs> <laughs> but while we were having a chit chat on a Friday before he headed off for the weekend, you know, he was checking how his horses had got on. Yeah. Had a little football bet, ordered a pizza. I was looking what he was going to watch on Netflix and checking his train time. Yeah. Is it's bleeding into our psyche, mm-hmm. you know. The younger generation is a more diverse. I believe in in the UK as a, being a more diverse, more accepting society. It brings new thinking. It brings new skills. Uh, I, I I just think that the way that people talk about Uber and Amazon as how and actually not being fearful of technology, but see, but embracing it and seeing as the benefits it can bring, saving lives, cleaning our environment up, making things easier and making things cheaper is is I think it's going to happen. Um, so Paul, we're going to play a game. Uh, we're going to play word association. You've got, um, you've got to say the first thing that comes into your mind when I say these words. Now you haven't seen these before. No. Uh, and if you say anything too provocative, yeah. uh, we'll uh, edit it out. Yeah. We won't. <laughs> um, so you ready? I don't know. Let's find out. Technology. Apple. Highways England. Get in there. Autonomous vehicles. Long way away. Smart motorways. Not so smart. Modular construction. Got to happen. Rapid engineering modelling. Great idea. Budgets. Naive. Sensat. The future. James Dean. Rebel without a clue. <laughs> I think we'll end it there. Well, thank you, Paul, for coming on the show. Um, and we'll be talking soon. Thanks, Harry. Go well. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please give it a like or a share. And if you're interested in working with Sensat, visit the careers page on our website. Thank you so much again and goodbye.